You are listening to the Cop Table Podcast, brought to you by Friends of Liverpool and powered by FMG. I heard a cop I calling. Welcome to the Cop Table podcast with special guests, game previews, and music by unsigned bands and artists. Brought to you by www.friendsofliverpool.com. Hello, and welcome to the show. Tonight we are going to be looking back at the Wofford performance past weekend and we're also going to be doing a little seasons so far review with a bit of player ratings and stuff like that. Looking forward to the Manchester City game in the Champions League and also looking forward to the Merseyside derby. So we've got quite a little bit to, to get through tonight. Joining me once again is Jay Riley. Jay's uh, a regular on the cop table, writes for the Liverpool Echo and is also on the Radio City Fan Friday show. So thanks again, Jay. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. You know, just uh, trying to get through the international break as best I can because we all know it's pretty meaningless, these games. Anyway, they're only friendly games, aren't they? So, you know, there's no relevance, really. It's a terrible time in the season, really, to have these fixtures. And, you know, it's just a waste of time, really. And we just want the real football to get back, don't we? Yeah, that's it. And we had some real football at Anfield last Saturday when we beat Wofford. Five um, five nil. Salah getting four goals. Fantastic performance from him. What was your uh, thoughts on that game, Jay? Yeah, I mean, obviously Salah's fantastic, isn't he? He's the standout performer as always. I mean, to score four goals, you know, fantastic really. And it's mad to think that he he scored so many goals this season. That was his thirty sixth goal at the fourth one, and you know, it's the first time he's scored a hat trick or more this season. Been plenty of games where he's come close to getting a hat trick, but you know that was the first time he got a hat trick in a Liverpool shirt, and you know he, he's just been fantastic, hasn't he? What a, an amazing sign, and he's been, and you know the comparisons, he's drawn comparisons with Lionel Messi now, hasn't he? And I mean, I did, I must confess, I did say back in September to one of my mates that you know the style of player that he is, he's very, very like. Lionel Messi and when I said it you know I made sure I wouldn't wasn't going to put it on social media and what have you because you know Lionel Messi's on a pedestal he's fantastic best player in the world best player on the planet but you know like I say Salah's got that sort of like Messi about him I thought and this was going back earlier in the season and he's just got better and better and you know it doesn't surprise me at all that these comparisons have come out but you know what what we've got to realise is this is only one season of Mo Salah doing it Lionel Messi's done it for a decade so you know, I, I don't want to get too carried away, but you know he's definitely a special talent. Yeah, and uh, Roberto Firmino was another one on the score sheet. Um, I thought Andy Robertson had another good game, but who else in that um, in that five 0 performance stood out for you, Jay? I thought Sadio Mane played quite well. He got a couple of assists, didn't he? I mean, I've been a little bit critical of Mane's performances this season. I don't think he's been as good as last season, really. And Mo Salah has sort of like outshone him uh, a little bit. But, you know, obviously Mane's had to change his position a little bit this season. He's moved on to the other flank, hasn't he? And I don't think he's been too happy there, to be honest. But we can't complain because Salah's... 
being fantastic, hasn't he, on the right side and managed just had to get on with it. And, you know, he's gone about it quietly, efficiently, really, hasn't he? I mean, you know, you look at it, he's actually scored more goals this season than last season. I thought last season he was our standout performer. He was fantastic at times before he, he got his injury in the Derby game on April the 1st. And, you know, that put pay to a season. But, but I thought before that he was absolutely outstanding. And, you know, this season, his, his tallies and his stats and figures are actually better than last season, which is a bit strange, really, because I don't think he has been as good. But, you know, like I say, this Liverpool team is just so free-flowing, scoring plenty of goals, and he's chipping in with a lot of assists as well, Mane. And I thought he played well against Watford. Yeah, and after that game, a lot of the squad have now got, gone out on, into their international teams, haven't they? And they're all they've gone flying around the world. But the the ones who who are not involved with the international football have been given um, a break by by Jurgen Klopp. They've been given uh, a week off, and I've uh, seen a few of the things on social media, like the the a few of Klopp and his his backroom staff have gone to Tenerife. Carius has gone somewhere. And do, do you think this is the right time to give them that 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 week's break the ones that aren't involved in the international scene well I think it was a case of there wasn't too many players available was there to uh, to take anywhere on a training camp so you know it's not ideal that's what I'm saying about the international break it's, it's a bit of a, a nightmare really because you know it's come at a bad time hasn't it I mean now Liverpool are, we're going to have I think it's four, four games in 11 days after the international break so you know it's it's certainly not ideal at all is it but you know, as I say, it's just one of them things. It's it's part of the, the football calendar, isn't it? And we've just got to get on with it and accept it. And, you know, I just hope that there's no injuries because, you know, we've already seen, haven't we? I think Dejan Lovren pulled out, didn't he, from the Croatian squad as it is. And, you know, you just never know, do you? Liverpool always tend to be jinxed when it comes to the international break. And we do seem to get a couple of injuries. So just let's hope and pray that everyone's fine because the last thing, we need is injuries to key players especially with some massive games coming up on the horizon yeah and just um, one piece of news that's uh, that's come out tonight Jay is about the, the captaincy for Holland obviously England are going to be playing against uh, the Netherlands on, on Friday Henderson more than likely going to be captain of England and you've also got now Virgil van Dijk being made the captain of the uh, the Dutch side, whether it's for one game or for the foreseeable future, I'm not too sure. Um, but what do you make of that uh, decision? Got looking forward to his, his putting his Liverpool career then involved with this as well. Well, yeah, I think it's being confirmed tonight as well that Jordan Henderson is going to be the England captain, and that's no surprise really because Harry Kane is is more likely to be the captain in Russia at the World Cup, but he's obviously injured, isn't he? So he's not being called up to the squad and. It makes sense that Henderson will be the captain. So, you know, it's it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, two Liverpool players going head-to-head and both captain in the countries. And, you know, most would say that, you know, Virgil van Dijk should be Liverpool captain and he's the future Liverpool captain. But it, it, it's an interesting one. I mean, it's with the situation with Henderson's a bit of a mad one, really, because, I mean, I don't dislike Henderson at all. You know, I, you know, Liverpool, some Liverpool fans out there don't like him and think it's a shambles that he's the captain because he doesn't really deserve a starting berth in the team. And you know, I can see their point to be honest with you. But you know, like I say, he's been captain for quite a while now, ever since Gerard left the football club. And you know, a couple of managers along the way have kept him as the captain, haven't he? And even you know, got recognition for England as well. So he must be doing something right. And the thing with Henderson, I think he's a very good professional, isn't he? He's done the, you know, the dressing room and what have you. So 
you know, I think that that goes in his favour. But you know, like I say, I don't really think he's good enough to warrant a starting place week in week out at Liverpool. So when you're a captain of a team, you should really be a starter and a regular for me. And I just don't think he's quite good enough. I mean, we need to improve in the midfield area, don't we? There's no doubt about that at all. And you know, obviously, cases coming in the summer, that's great. But we're being linked to a couple of midfield players haven't we this week and hopefully we will get a few more reinforcements in that area because it looks like Emre Chan is going to leave the football club in the summer and you know, like I say it's it's one of them will Jordan Henderson be a regular starter for Liverpool next season the jury's certainly out on that one and you know, like I say Virgil van Dijk is we've already seen in what the three months that he's been at the club so far, he's got leadership qualities, and you know he just uses class, doesn't he? You know he's such just a calm and influence on that back line, and you know he's a good reader of the game, and like he's you know he's got a good tempo about the way he plays, good passer of the ball as well, good in the air. He is a leader and he is a captain, and you know it doesn't surprise me that he's being given the role for this country for Holland. You know Rod Coomer's the Dutch manager now, and. He had him at Southampton. He loved him, didn't he? And, and I know for a fact he wanted to try and sign it for Everton, but you know Everton had a big enough club for Virgil Van Dijk. It's as simple as that, and you know, there was no way he was going to go to Everton. So you know, like I say, it doesn't surprise me with Cumin being a new manager at Holland. It doesn't surprise me at all if Virgil Van Dijk's got the armband. Excellent spot on, Jay. Right, so what we're going to do now, Jay, we'll just have a little look back towards the, the season as a as a whole for Liverpool. Um, I was like a season so far review, and then we're going to do a few few of the player ratings, how, how you've rated each player's performance so far this season. But first of all, um, obviously we're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, sitting third in the league. What's what's your take on the, the season so far, please, Jay? Well, to be perfectly honest, at the start of the season, it was all about maintaining the progression of being, you know, in the top four and making sure that it's not just a one-season wonder and Liverpool are in the Champions League to stay. And we are in the top four now. We're in third place and, you know, it's still touch and go whether or not we'll get there. I mean, we should do, but you can't rule out Chelsea and Tottenham, you know, breathing down our necks as well. So it's going to be really close. It was a massive blow losing to Manchester United at Old Trafford because it was a six-pointer for the top four. And United, although I don't think they're the best team in the world, they're probably safe now in the top four places. And just frustrating, really, that it's a little setback for us. And, you know, we're still looking over our shoulders a little bit. It was a massive win. Get back, you know, three points on the board against Watford and... We've got a big game coming up against Crystal Palace because you know it's important to get the three points there as well because the next league game is sandwiched in between the massive quarter-final Champions League against Manchester City. So, you know, in that game, I'm pretty sure we'll rotate and rest a few players because we're going to have three games in six days. So I think it's vitally important to get the three points against Crystal Palace when we next play because that gives us a little bit of a cushion, really, if you like. We go 10 points clear to Chelsea before they then play against Spurs on the Sunday. And, you know, you've got to consider the fact that we'd be... They'd have two games in hand still, but 10 points is a tall order. So I think it's massively important to get the three points against Crystal Palace. But, you know, like I say, it's it's one of them. It's, it's an interesting situation where... You know, you know, well, they're happy with top four finish, but I also at the start of the season under silverware because it's been far too long. Now six years since we've won a pot, and like I was thinking more about maybe a, a domestic cup in terms of the league cup or the FA Cup. Sadly, we didn't do very well in either cup competition, and it's all you know, all our eggs are in the basket of the Champions League now. 
but then we draw Manchester City who are going to be champions of England so it's a tall order but you know let's see what happens it's going to be two massive games against City yeah, two, two huge games as you're saying in the Champions League. But just go and like to go through the through the the squad at the um, at the club at the moment. Jay, obviously, I'm not going to go too far down with, with the likes of uh, John Flanagan, Ben Woodburn, Divock Origi, and people like that who've not had much much game time at Liverpool. Grujich is another one, but I'll start off with the player who's made uh, the least number of appearances this uh, season for Liverpool due to injury and. It, uh, it's Adam Lallana. Um, give us your your ratings on him, please, Jay. Adam Lallana. Um, well, <laughs> I mean, it'd have to be a zero because he's not played, has he? I mean, he's been so, so frustrating this season. Got the injury pre-season, just before the start of the season, and you know, obviously, he's he's been back now since around December time, and it's just been stop-start, hasn't it? He hasn't really had a run of games at all and when he's played, he's looked about 70% fit, well off the pace and being an infuriating campaign. It's not the lad's fault, it is what it is. He's had injuries, he's had setbacks, but how can you give him a rating when he's just not performed and not played and not being available? You know, it's just been infuriating, really, and last season he was one of our better players. There's no dispute in that. But we've done quite well, haven't we? We're out in this season and, you know, he's getting, he's approaching 30 now, isn't he, as well? So I just don't see where there's a place in this team for him, really. I mean, I know Klopp does like him. He come out recently and said he's in the top four best English players. That's fair enough. But, you know, when you're approaching 30 and, you know, you're obviously injury prone and Liverpool have moved on from last season now, I just really don't see much of a massive future for, for Lallana. And, you know, yeah, it's all about having a, a big squad. But, you know, we've got Oxley chamberlain there that he doesn't really get in the side that often either. He's on the bench quite a lot. You know, I'm not saying we should sell Lallana, but, you know, we haven't really missed him this season, have we? And if you're going to score him, you're going to have to score him at a zero because he's just not being available to play. Yeah, he's made, he's made a total of, uh, I think it's 12 appearances in total, and he... But he's on in them appearances. It's only been a total of three hundred and seventy-eight minutes played of football. So yeah, like you say, not much, um, not much game time at all. A lot of injuries. So um, we're going to have to give uh, Adam Lana uh, a no score. I think. Right. Um, another player who's not featured a great deal, but he's been on a, a few times from the substitute bench and um, played in the Merseyside derby. Is Dom Solanke? Give us your thoughts on MJ. Well, I, I think you can. When you look at Solanke, he's obviously got raw potential there, and and you can tell that Klopp likes him because he, he when Liverpool signed him, and I mean, obviously it was a tribunal, wasn't it, from from Chelsea? He was a Chelsea kid. It's obvious that you know he kept him at the football club. He didn't want to send him out on loan, and instead he chose to to send Divock out on loan, and that may be down to the fact that he he didn't want to get Solanke and then straight away send him out somewhere he wanted to integrate him into the football club you know so we could get familiar with you know the surroundings and show to him basically you've just left Chelsea there and Liverpool's a massive club compared to Chelsea they might have won a couple of league titles recently but they're nothing compared to Liverpool in terms of being a huge football club so I think the designs behind that where you know, he's a young lad and he wanted them to feel at home at Liverpool and he settled in quite well I mean there, is, there has been a few positive signs when he's played games but he's yet to register a goal for us isn't he but you know he's only young he's not played many games has he and you know it was a massive statement when 
Klopp decided to start him in the Merseyside derby in December time. Didn't really work out for, for him, really, because I thought he was pretty anonymous in the game. But it just shows you that Klopp's got faith in his ability to, to start him in such a big game. Mick Klopp doesn't think Everton is a big game, but, you know, to us fans, it's a massive game. And, you know, for Klopp to start him in such a high-profile game was testament to how he must look in, in training. Um he did play well in, in a game away from home against Stoke earlier on in the season. I think he got an assist in that game for Mane, didn't he? So, you know, he's obviously got positives about his game and he's going to pro- progress as time goes on. But, you know, like I say, it's it's difficult to really truly assess him because he hasn't really had much game time with us, has he? No, but in say, say in terms of his work rate, his, his effort put in and um, his overall performance, were you looking at six, six out of ten, something like that? Yeah, possibly a six. I'd give him a six, yeah. OK, we won't... Uh, next one's on the list is Daniel Sturridge and Philippe Coutinho, who we won't be uh, evolving because they're no longer at the club, even though Sturridge is only out on loan at the moment. Um, still didn't play enough games um, to get uh, much of a much of a review. So the next one played made ten appearances so far for Liverpool, nine hundred minutes under his belt. It's uh, Virgil Van Dijk. Give us your your review on him, please. Up to now, Jay. Well, like I said before, he, he's shown, hasn't he? Like he's got unbelievable qualities. Leadership qualities are massive for him. He's so composed on the ball, brings the ball out of defence. He's an organiser. He's a leader. I must admit, he, he has made a few mistakes. There's no doubt about that. He has been caught out a few times. But, you know, it's obviously no one's perfect, are they? And at the end of the day, yes, we might have paid a, a lot of money for him. He's our record signing, £75 million. Pound, but it's supply and demand, isn't it? And, like, let's be honest, we've got £140 million for Phil Coutinho. And without that money, there's no way Liverpool would have been spent. And then 75 million on Virgil van Dijk. So money in football now is ridiculous and it's quite irrelevant really when you see some of the figures that are banded about for players. I mean, it all started two years ago when Man United paid £90 million for Paul Pogba. And let's be perfectly honest, I don't think he's a terrible player. He's never going to justify that price tag as long as he's got a hole in his arse. And, you know, at the end of the day, you've got to consider the fact that Yes, we paid 75 for Van Dijk, but Van Dijk has got many qualities that Paul Pogba certainly hasn't got, and he's a captain in the making, really. And as we said before, should be future Liverpool captain, and he's just become captain of his country there for Holland. So, you know, even though he hasn't played that many times for us, he's probably played well in about eight or nine of them games. So you'd have to give him a healthy eight, wouldn't you? Eight out of ten for Virgil. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's he's made a solid start to his, his Liverpool career, and since he's come in, we've looked at that little bit more solid. I mean, like you say, great leadership, and um, even got the winner in the derby. So yeah, we'll give him an eight out of ten for for Van Dijk. Next one up is uh, Ragnar Klavan. He's made twenty one appearances so far. A lot of them earlier on in the first half of the season before Christmas. Not featured as much lately. Got um got fifteen hundred minutes under his belt this season. So give us a. Uh, your thoughts on Ragnar, please, Jay? I think Clavin done well early part of the season when he got a run of games in the side. I thought he was very good. And what's strange really is, I mean, I know obviously we signed Van Dijk and he's going to get his game ahead of Clavin. But, I mean, he scored that winning goal, didn't he, against Burnley on, on New Year's Day. 
day. And then he's not really been seen much since, which is a bit surprising, really. I mean, I think he had a little bit of a knock, didn't he? And might have had an illness as well. But I'm a little bit surprised that he hasn't featured a little bit more because, you know what, I thought early part of the season, he was arguably our centre-half, most consistent one anyway. He was performing very well, a lot better than I thought he did last season, to tell you the truth. Um, but like I say, the last couple of months, he's not featured hardly at all. So on that basis, I mean... He's close to getting an eight because, you know, as I say, he's played more more games than Van Dijk has, but uh, I'd probably go on a more more of a cautious side and give him a seven. Seven out of ten for Clavin. Right, next one up on the um, on the list is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, just over 1,700 minutes under his belt, 35 appearances in total. A lot of them are from the substitutes bench, some of them where he's not played the whole 90 minutes, so he's been he's not played a, a, a great deal of 90-minute football, if you like. So, um, thoughts on Oxlade-Chamberlain, Jay? Yeah, I mean, when we signed him, I thought it seemed a lot of money. Virtually, was it £40 million pounds or £35 million rather than £40 million. It was a lot of money, considering he only had a year left on his contract. But it was a good age, isn't he? 24 years of age. And I just thought, you know, he's a very good utility man, isn't he? I mean, when he played for Arsenal, he didn't really like playing wing-back. But it's certainly a role that he can play. He can also play on the wing, but he, but he prefers to play more central. Now, you can already see that you know Klopp's worked wonders with him on the training ground because he's got better stats this season for Liverpool than, he's, than he ever had playing for the Arsenal in the couple of seasons he had for them. So, you know, there has been an improvement in his game, but he's probably still a little bit frustrated because he hasn't been a regular. He hasn't been able to nail down a starting berth week in, week out in the Liverpool side. Albeit, he has had quite a lot of game time and he is one of the first go-to men he to bring off the substitute bench um, but like I say yeah I've been quite quite happy with Oxley Chamberlain he's a good player he's had a couple of performances that have you know he's, he's not been great in to be fair he's been average at times I don't think he played very well at Old Trafford but you know it wasn't a very good team performance that, that day I don't think he was great in, in the, the, the Cup derby game when we beat Everton 2-1. Didn't think it was his best of games, but he was played on the wing that night and he doesn't particularly like it, does he? You can tell he prefers to play more central. I thought he was excellent against West Ham when we beat them 4-1 at home recently. I thought that was a very good performance by him. Um, but, you know, all things considered, I'd probably give Oxlade-Chamberlain a 7 out of 10. Yeah, and with, like you say, with four games coming up in 11 days, I think you're going to see a little bit more of Chamberlain possibly in the, the Crystal Palace game and, and again the Merseyside derby, um, possibly in in the, one of the Champions League games, but I think you'll see him on and off the bench for, for the foreseeable future until he can, like you say, nail down a, a spot in, in the start in 11. But uh, next on our list, we've got Trent Alexander-Arnold. He's made 22 appearances uh, in total, just a, bit, a little few more minutes over uh, under his belt, sorry, than, than Oxlade-Chamberlain, just under 1,800 minutes this season. So give us your season review so far of Trent Alexander-Arnold, Jay. Yeah, I mean he's done well, Trent. I mean he's not he's not really a right back, I don't think, by trade, and I don't see that being his future position. I think he, he'll go into midfield eventually. Um he's done the job for us when called upon, yeah. I mean there's been times when 
he's looked a little bit dodgy defensively. I mean, he's I think he's good going forward. He's better than Joe Gomez going forward. He's good deliverer of the ball. Um, but you know, he has been caught out a little bit defensively at times. But then he did get go on a little run in the team where he, he was very good as well. He struggled a little bit at Old Trafford, didn't he? Which obviously didn't help him with Dejan Lovren made a couple of bad mistakes, which didn't help Alexander Arnold. He, he got caught out a little bit by against Rashford. But um, no, he's done quite well. Trent, he's chipped in with a few good goals as well. He scored a couple in Europe as well for us. So, you know, I'd give him a good solid 7 out of 10 as well. 7 out of 10 for Trent. Right the, on the opposite uh, flank now, Jay, Andy Robertson, 20, 21 appearance. Uh, sorry, yeah, 21 starts, is that? Um, all together by the looks of it. Yeah, just under 1,900 minutes on the pitch this season. Provided, looks like, two two assists. So, obviously, coming from Hull, 10 million. Looks like it's a, a bargain price at the moment. It's done really well. Give us your your thoughts on Andy Robertson, please. Yeah, I mean, you'll talk about the, the forward three players all day long, and they're the ones that... I get all applauded in terms of because we score so many goals. It's so looks so dangerous against teams. But Andy Robertson's been a sensation. I mean, to pay was it eight million rising to twelve with add-ons. You know, we come from Hull City, who got relegated last season. He's a Scottish international, and let's be honest, Scottish footballers are not the best the last couple of decades. So you know, no one was expecting him to pull up to any threes. But he's been absolutely sensational. His energy levels are fantastic. He's so well balanced on that left hand side. I'm actually surprised he's only got two assists because I thought it would be quite a few more than that, to tell you the truth. But he's just been absolutely amazing. I mean, I didn't think he'd be this good. I mean, I always thought there was a player in there, but I just thought, you know, at first he struggled to get in the side. I mean, Alberto Moreno done quite well at the start of the season. and you know, he wasn't really getting much game time. I think he played three or four times and every time he featured, he looked quite good. But then he was bombed out the side and Moreno was the regular left-back. And then Moreno got injured against Spartak Moscow in December time. It's the last group game in the Champions League. And Robertson just come into the side. And ever since he's been in the side, he's just been, he's been fantastic, really. He's been really, has played well for Liverpool. And, you know, we've got this lad now, is he 23 years of age? He could be Liverpool's left back for the next decade, really. You know, I, I just think he's been a fantastic signing so far. And I'd give him a 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10 for Andy Robertson, yeah. Uh... Like you mentioned then, Alberto Moreno, he's actually played more games this season, believe it or not, than Andy Robertson. It doesn't seem, seems like a long time ago when Moreno was getting a regular game, but he's made 23 appearances this season um, with three assists as well. So, like you say, he's not played as much of late, but when he did play, what was your, your season rating for, for Alberto Moreno? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I've always been a massive critic of Moreno and, you know, as well as I do that, you know, I'd pay someone to, to take him away from the club. But he actually did do quite well at the start of the season. I mean, he did cut out quite a lot of the mistakes. I mean, there was one one really bad game, no, wasn't he, away to Seville where 
you know, he had a shocker, didn't he? It was the old Moreno. But other than that, you know, he performed really well when he when he was in the team. And you can't take that away from the lads. You know, I'm, it's all right giving someone a bit of stick and criticising their performances when, you know, they're making mistakes and they're not playing well and you don't think they're good enough. But you've also got to have that humility about you as well where you'd accept that sometimes people can't prove you wrong and he certainly did the first part of the season because he did play very well and you know you can't take it away from the lad he did perform well and you've got to give him credit for that um, so on that basis I mean we've been fortunate in the left back department haven't we because Moreno's done well at the start of the season and now Robertson's been absolutely fantastic so on that basis I probably would give Moreno now an 8 out of 10 which is which is massive really considering you know, he's, I'm not being one of his biggest fans at all. I've been a massive critic of his, but he certainly was very good at the first part of the season. Yeah, and we've gone from using um, right-footed midfield player and James Milner to two proper left full-backs, if you like, although Moreno obviously is a little bit more forward-thinking, although Robertson is as well. But yeah, we're looking solid down that left-hand side now, so um be interesting to see if uh, Robertson can, can keep him out for the rest of the season because he has had a... Uh, a great time since he's, he's got himself into the team. So the next one up, Jay, is Loris Carius. He's made uh, 21 appearances in total. He's been on the bench 22 times. So thoughts on Carius, please, Jay? Well, the thing with Carius, he's had a, a massive upturn in form recently because, you know, I've always said I don't think he's good enough, but he's never really been given the opportunity to get a run of games in the side. So... Maybe a, a little bit harsh to judge him. Sometimes you do need to build momentum and gain confidence, and then the more you, the more you play consistent run of games, then the, the you know the better you, you might become. And he has improved. I mean, it's difficult though because you know earlier on in the season he was the Champions League goalkeeper, wasn't he? And that the, the goal we conceded against Spartak Moscow in the Champions League away from home, the free kick. I mean, I thought it was very poor goalkeeper. He should have saved it. And really, you know, you're looking at it thinking he's still not good enough. You know, I'm not having it that he's good enough. But And then even when he, when obviously he fell out of favour with Mignolet and Carius was, he said basically Carius is going to be number one now. You would, you would think, oh, this is a risk, this, because Carius has not proved to look, he's never really looked good enough as he in the Premier League to me. Um, and then when we played Manchester City, he made the mistake, didn't he, for, for Leroy Sané's goal at the equaliser just on half-time when he was beating at his near post. And you're looking at it thinking, what is Klopp doing? I mean, this fella's not good enough. I mean, Mignolet is terrible, but Carrius looked even worse. But ever since then, he, he's been he's improved a lot. He really has. I mean, some people who, who are hypercritical might might well say that he was a fault for the Wanyama goal at Tottenham when Tottenham scored, you know, against us, the equaliser late on. But it was an extra set. I mean, you know, I don't think many keepers are going to save that. Maybe you could blame him for the punch, you know, from the corner that before that led to the goal. Might have done a little bit better, but don't expect a defensive midfield player to smash one in from 30 yards, do you? I think it's a bit harsh to, to criticise him for that. And he did save one of Harry Kane's penalties as well. So, you know, he's made some vital saves. The one he saved against Newcastle, Diami, right on half-time, was was fantastic, really. And, 
there, there was one against Arn West Ham as well. He tipped it onto the underside of the crossbar. I do think he, he's, he's improved massively. And it, it's hard to gauge, really. I mean, I'm only going to give him a 7 out of 10 because I can't forget the errors that he's made earlier on in the season. And I know some people might look at that and say, well, you give Moreno an 8. But I can only really remember one, one bad game out of Moreno, and that was Seville away in Europe when we threw 3 all. Carius has made quite a few mistakes still and I take on board he, he sort of like changed people's opinions on him and he has done very well in the last five or six games I'm not taking that away from him just highlighted there some of the saves that he's made but I still will only give him a seven because to me the jury's still out on him and he's got some massive games coming up we've got the double header with Manchester City we've also got the derby game at Goodison which you know they, they're going to try and create an atmosphere aren't they which you know, the derby game's their big game it's their cup final so is he going to be able to cope with the pressure of a derby Derby atmosphere at Goodison Park and then you've also got Stamford Bridge to come as well towards the end of the season in a massive game against Chelsea so to me he's still got a lot to prove he has improved his form but, you know, the jury's still out for me and let's see how he does in these big games coming up. Excellent. Cheers, Jane. We may as well stay with the, the goalkeeping department and move on to Simon Mignolet. He's, um, he's made 22 appearances in total, just one more than uh, Loris Carius. Lost his place um, just before Christmas, didn't he? Looked a bit shaky at times. Didn't do. Didn't cover himself in glory in the Arsenal away fixture when Jacques is at that 25-yarder, which he could possibly go with just both hands and, and parry it down in front of him. He's gone to punch and it's gone straight into the back of the goal. One of the, the, the mistakes highlighted from, from Mignolet. So what's your your opinion on his season up until he, he lost his place, please, Jay? Very disappointed in Mignolet. I mean, I've never thought he was good enough either, to be honest. But I thought last season he'd done quite well. Certainly at the end of the season when Mane got injured, you know, April the 1st against Everton in the derby, and then it was we were sort of like concerned then about the top four because you're looking at it thinking we need a few players to step up here. And there was three players for me that stepped up towards the end of the season. Emre Chan stepped up in, in Henderson's absence in the number six role. Coutinho stepped up because he scored a few vital goals for us. And also Chan did as well, by the way, because he scored that brilliant goal, didn't he, against Watford away. And also Simon Mignolet made quite a few few amazing saves towards the end of the season especially against Stoke away so to me I thought he had quite a good season last season and he was quite important for Liverpool finishing in the top four and then we go on to this season and you think come on this is it now this is Mignolet's time he's, he's improving he's getting better and then what happens this season he goes back to the Simon Mignolet that we all know simply not good enough making mistakes galore shoot on sight and you're going to score against Liverpool and simply not good enough and you know I think that's it now you know Klopp's ran out of excuses for him and ran out of you know faith and loyalty in him because you know he's simply not good enough and you know he's been dropped now and we may never see him play for Liverpool ever again really to tell you the truth and I think he'll be gone in the summer and on that basis I'll give him a 4 out of 10 yeah, four out of ten. You can't uh, really disagree with that. And like you say, barring any sort of injury or suspension to Loris Carrius, um, the likelihood is that Simon Mignolet's Liverpool career will probably be drawing to uh, to a close. So the next person up on our list, Jay, for for Liverpool, we've got Joe Gomez. He's made twenty nine appearances in total. Got a uh, twenty two hundred minutes. 
yeah, 2,200 minutes under his belt this season. He's played most of that time in the right full-back position. Played once or twice in the in the centre-back position. So give us your review on Joe Gomez's season so far, please. I thought he was doing quite well. Um, probably, well, the first part of the season, obviously, he was doing quite well. But then he just went through a little spell where he started making mistakes and he was switching off. I mean... There was obviously the game against Arsenal. He switched off, didn't he? I think it started against West. It started against West Ham away when Lanzini sort of like outmuscled him, and and he was very disappointing really because he's a big lad, Gomez. Do you know what I mean? He's he's a future centre half, and Lanzini used a little bit of body strength on him, and you know it was it was disappointing defending for me, and they scored from it, and then same again happened against Arsenal where he didn't track Sanchez for for one of the goals, and then. He made a mistake, didn't he, against Burnley away, where he didn't the back post again, where they equalised late on. Thankfully, we went on to win the game, an injury time winner by uh, Ragnar Clavin. And then he, you know, like I say, he made the mistake again for the for against Man City at home, didn't he, where he got caught under the flight of the ball. Leroy Sané nipped in behind him, and then he scored from it. So, you know, like I say, he made quite a few mistakes in in a short space of time. So it's sort of like. It's affected them really, I think, and and he sort of like since then. I mean, Alexander Arnold's been in the side, probably played more games than Gomez. Really, and we got a bit of an injury as well, didn't he? And you know, I, I don't think he's had a great season to be honest. And I think you know earlier on in the season, yeah, he, he did do as a turn at right back, but once again, you know, he, a bit like Alexander Arnold, he's not for me. He's not a right back either. You know, he's obviously. I think he's. He's a midfield player, Arnold, and I, th- and I also think Joe Gomez is obviously future lies at centre-half, and both of them have had to fill in, really, haven't they, for Nathaniel Klein, and it's not been ideal, whereas we've been lucky in the left-back situation where Robertson and Moreno have both been, been very good for us this season. I think they're both right-backs. Have, I've done OK, they've done us a job, but they've also looked a little bit ropey at times as well, so it's not been ideal. So on that basis, I'd probably give them a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I'd probably go with something similar. Like you say, there's been t- a times where he's switched off at that back post and he just hasn't looked comfortable going forward for me either. Joe Gomez, he, he gets in some good positions and he's got plenty of pace. He can get up and down that line. It's just when he gets into that, that crossing position, his final ball, you, you can tell that he's a he's a centre-back. He, he can't put in a decent ball, not like Alexander-Arnold, who, who can whip the ball in and put in some fantastic crosses. Joe Gomez seems to always want to come back and have a look for the player behind him who will cross it in for him, if you like. So, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Joe Gomez, uh, six out of 10. Next one up is Jordan Henderson, who's played uh, 29 appearances in, in total, um, just under two and a half, 2,400 minutes on the pitch for Liverpool. Obviously, he's had this injury, hasn't he, where he, it's kept him out of playing a run of games. He plays two or three games and seems to sit out one, maybe two. He had a little bit of a spell, I think it was just after Christmas, where he sat out, I think it was three or four weeks, didn't he? So what's your, your views on Jordan Henderson, please, Jay? Well, Henderson's not very well liked, is he, in the fan base? Let's, let's be honest about it. I think it's 50-50 split, isn't it? Some think he is good enough and some just think he's not good enough and... I do think like this season he's sort of like 
I thought last season, the first part of the season, he was instrumental in Liverpool being top of the league. He was fantastic with all the stats. He come out top on most of the stats for us. And, you know, I, th- I do think when he got injured, it was sort of like we did miss him a little bit. But then, as I say, Emre Chan stepped up in his absence when it comes to the last 10 games of the season. I thought he was very good in the number six role. I think this season with Henderson, he's not being as good this season as he was that first part of last season. And, He's, he's had a disjointed campaign, you know, pretty much in and out the side. And he's been he's been left out quite a lot, I think, as well in some big games. I mean, you know, he didn't he missed out against Man United the other week at Old Trafford as well. And, you know, this is this is the strange situation. If he if he's club captain and when he's fit available, he should be playing. But obviously he's not been playing all the time and to me, I, I just don't think he's had a good season at all, really. And it doesn't help because he, he is injury-prone, isn't he? And, I mean, he's, he's just not really registered many goals or assists either this season. And I know that's not really his role no more in the team. It's to sit in front of the back line and, and you know, protect them a little bit. And I just don't think he really does it well enough, really. I, I don't think he's a bad player, but I, I just don't think he's had a very good season. And on that basis, I give him a five out of ten. Yeah, just just the one goal for for Henderson and and the one assist compared to like the likes of um, Milner who's who's got eight assists in total. Um, like you say, he's not he's not had a, a great season. Played in fits and starts, hasn't he? And he had a couple of seasons back that year when we were going for the league when he got sent off. I think it was in the City game. The the, the team went a bit didn't he? They, they didn't half miss him. But at the moment, he he seems to be easily replaceable, if you like. And with the more midfield players coming in this this summer, then Henderson's going to have to t- take his game to that next level again, isn't he? And and try and keep fit. Otherwise, his, his place is going to be and his captaincy will be under threat, like you say. In, in, in our opinion, so the next one up, Jay. Um, did we do James Milner? Have we gone through Milner yet? No, we haven't done Milner. No, we, we right. Okay, so the next one is James Milner. Thirty-five appearances in total. Like you say, got a lot of assists in the Champions League as well. I think he's what he's he's top assist uh, assister in the in the Champions League, and he's uh, also chipped in with a with a goal or two. So, what's your thoughts on James Milner this season, please, Jay? Yeah, he's done well, hasn't he? You know, he's a model professional, and um, he's he's rarely let us down in games when he's being called upon. And you know, like I say, it speaks for itself. The assists that he's got in the Champions League with all the, the top class players that are in that competition, and he's the leading assist maker in, in the Champions League. So it's quite remarkable, really, isn't it? People might say, "Well, Liverpool have scored so many goals that you know it's not such a, a massive achievement," but it actually is because you know James Milner is sort of like not someone who you would have thought would be high up on that list because he, he doesn't start every single game, does he? You know, he doesn't play every single Champions League game. So for him to be the top assist maker in the Champions League this season, it's a, it's a massive achievement, really. And I think, you know, you can we can all tell he's a leader on the pitch and he's more of a utility man. I don't think he's really got a set role in the side, as we've seen last season when he, he played left-back for the majority of the season. You know, obviously he didn't really enjoy playing there and Liverpool have, have got two left-backs who have done well for us this season and, He's played more centrally for us, and he's not let us down, has he? You know, he's been fantastic, really, and you can't take it away from him. He's probably wanted to play a little bit more than he has done. He's been on the bench quite a bit, but you know, like I say, when he's being called upon, he's really let us down. And on that basis, you'd have to give the lad an eight out of ten. 
Yeah, he's he's had a solid season, hasn't he? Every time he comes onto the pitch, he's he, he's knowledgeable, isn't he? knows what knows what pass to play. He knows when to track back. He's like he's he's got that extra yard of pace in his head. So he's he's, he's vital to this squad, if you like it, for me as well. So eight out of ten for James Milner. Next one, your mate here, Degsy Lovren. Thirty-two appearances so far this season. Jay chipped in with one goal. He's also got an assist from somewhere. Uh, that'll be the one against Bernie Clavin. Um, when he, he nodded that one in at the far post, didn't he? That was Lovren's assist. So give us your thoughts on Dejan, please, Jay. He's just so infuriating, isn't he? I mean. There is times when he, he performs quite well and then you start daring to dream, oh, is there, is there a defender in there? Is there a player in there? And he's looked a lot better alongside Van Dijk, of course he has, but, you know, there's so many games where he just he, he just commits so many howlers. I mean, the game against Tottenham at Wembley, I thought that was it. I thought he should never play for Liverpool ever again. It was embarrassing, wasn't it, to be honest? It was like someone had won a competition to play for Liverpool and you'll play at Wembley against someone. Do you know what I mean? It's just... He was embarrassing and he got took off after half an hour, quite rightly so. And I thought that city should never play for this again. But, you know, obviously Klopp's not going to do that to someone, you know, when called upon, you know, further down the line. You know, you need these players to, to run through brick walls for you. And to be fair to Lovren, he did go on a little bit of run of form where he'd done okay. And, you know, he, he did do well for us. But then, once again, absolute shambles at Old Trafford. Horrific defending up against Lukaku. And, you know, it shocked me really because earlier on in the season, done quite well against the Maranfield, both derby games last season. He coped with Lukaku quite well as well in them games. And then all of a sudden we go to Old Trafford the other week and he just throws in another Tottenham performance. And, you know, like I say, he's just not good enough, is he? We all know it. But I think, you know, it's a bit harsh to say he's had a terrible season. He's had a couple of really poor performances. But, you know, in terms of his season... He's not done too bad in, in quite a few games, really. And, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm never, ever going to think he's good enough. But, you know, Klopp certainly sees something in him. And in my opinion, I think he, he prefers him over Matip as, as Van Dijk's partner. But he has mixed it up a little bit, to be fair. I mean, Matip's played quite a few times as well with Van Dijk, hasn't he? So it's difficult to really, truly judge. But... It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if, if Klopp did think he was the his second best centre back, if you like, behind Van Dijk. But um no, for me he's not good enough and you know, the sooner he leaves the club the better. But you know, I'm not gonna just judge him on a couple of bad performances when he's looked like a Sunday league player. I'm gonna judge him on a season in general. And on that basis, I'd probably give him maybe a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10 for, for Dejan Lovren. Okay, Jay, next one up. Uh player who's he's not had a great deal of football lately he's had a he's had a bad illness he's had a he's had a bout of flu I'm not too sure exactly the details of the illness but he's not played a great deal it's uh, Jeannie Wijnaldum made 38 appearances in total he's, he's only got the one assist and he's got only got the two goals not as prolific as he was last season when he obviously still hasn't scored away from from Anfield either so give us your thoughts on Jeannie please Jay been a little bit disappointed in him this season. I thought last season he was he was a good signing for what we paid twenty five million pounds. You know, it's nothing in this day and age, and chipped in with some really vital goals, didn't he? I mean, he scored the goal, didn't he, on New Year's Eve when we beat Manchester City one one nil, and then 
scored a vital equaliser against Chelsea at Anfield when we drew 1-1 in the January time. And he also scored, didn't he, that, the, goal, the first goal against Middlesbrough last game of the season to get us in the Champions League. This season, he's not really has been as good. I mean, not just because he hasn't chipped in with as many goals. I just think he's gone missing in too many games for my liking. I thought he was good at home against Man City when we beat them 4-3. Higher, higher, high energy levels, covered every blade of grass. He was fantastic in that game. But he just goes missing far too often, and in particular in the away games. And I just don't understand it. He's, sometimes he is literally like the invisible man. And and he just hasn't really got going this season. And, you know, I do think he's a good squad player, but you couldn't be starting him week in, week out because he just goes missing too much in in, in quite a few games. And, you, you know, we can't afford to do that, really. And with Keita coming in the summer and, and possibly Ndidi or Jorginho, I just don't really see much of a role, in a starting role for him in the side. So he's, he's probably going to be a squad player next season more so than this season even and I have been a little bit disappointed in him so on that basis I give him a 5 out of 10 as well 5 out of 10 for Genie which is also his, uh, his squad number at Liverpool number 5 yeah so we're getting on to the to the top end of the players now we, on next one is going to be Sadio Mane 33 appearances in total 14 goals for Sadio 9 assists been a really good season in my opinion had a little bit of a spell, didn't he? Where he, he went off the boil a little bit, missed that sitter against Everton, and after that, his head seemed to go down, lost a little bit of confidence. But seems to be coming back now. Hat-trick against Spartak Moscow. Um, I think it was Spartak Moscow away. No, sorry, Porto away in the in the Champions League. So, thoughts on Sadio Mane, Jay? Very strange one, because, I mean, he hasn't had as good a season for me as he did last season, or he wasn't as standout a player as he was last season. But, you know, as you say there, the stats have been very good and actually are better than last season. And what I've noticed this season with him, he's, he's contributed more in the sense of he assists more now for me. And even though he scored more goals this season than last season, he's, he's not as much of a goal threat as, as he was last season, in my opinion. This season, he's been more of a creator. And, you know, let's be honest, that front three Liverpool have got, it's absolutely frightening. And not many, not many clubs in world football can boast a better front, front three than that. And you know, out of the three of them, Mane's probably not been as good as the other two. But when you look at his stats, you cannot complain with what the output that he's given to us. And it's a difficult one, really, because you know, I'm toying with the idea of is he an eight out of ten or is he a nine out of ten? But because I've been a little bit disappointed in the sense of. I don't think his touch has been there. I think he's he struggled at times to adapt to the role of playing on on the left hand side when he was so used to playing on the right hand side last season for us. And his stats are being good, and he is getting better and better. But at this moment in time, probably only give him an eight out of ten. To be fair. Yeah, like you say, he's been one of our, our better performances, p- performers, sorry, as well, along, alongside Firmino and Salah. So, yeah, he's he's provided a lot of goals and assists. So, yeah, probably a f- 8 out of 10 is a fair reflection of Sadio Mane's performances over the course of the season. But obviously, we're doing this in the... It, I'm doing this in total appearances. So it's um, the next up. He's played one more game than Sadio, and that's Joel Matip. 34 appearances in total. He's got one assist, another one who's got one goal to his name. We spoke to him, but we spoke about him before when we spoke about Van Dyke and Lovren. So 
singling his own performance out. Jay, give us your thoughts, please. I've been a little bit disappointed, to be perfectly honest. I mean, last season, a lot of people said Joel Matip's our best centre-half. And then you'll have the other fans saying, and even he's not good enough. And to be honest, I tend to agree with the fact that I just think he's a lackadaisical sometimes in possession. I think he's a good footballer. He can bring the ball out of defence. But you've already seen since Van Dijk's been at the club, he's like a poor man's Van Dijk. He's nowhere near on the level of what Van Dijk is. Um, I just think at times he's a bit weak in the challenge and I don't think his positional sense is very good either. So... I mean, you can criticise Lovren all day long, but I just think Matip's been equally as poor this season in that sense. If you're going to criticise Lovren, then you'd have to criticise Matip too because he's made quite a few mistakes as well. Maybe not as bad in terms of high-profile howl as that. You'd look at Lovren and say, oh my God, remember this, what he's done, or what that, what he's done. But I do think consistently he's been quite poor, to be honest, this season. And, you know, like I say, he's a little bit sloppy for me. And, and he's just, he's, he's a bit weak. I just think the size of him he should be a lot stronger in a challenge and he's not. And, you know, like I say, on that basis, I mean, I give, I give what did they give Lovren a six or a five? I can't remember now. But, you know, I, I'd, have to, I'd have to go along with a similar mark, to be honest, and, and I'll give him a six out of ten as well. Six out of ten for Big Joel. Yeah, like you say, he's, for the size of the fella, he, he should be throwing himself a lot more, more about using that, using that height and that that strength of his. He's, he just seems to be a little bit flimsy at times, doesn't he? He's just just needs to, to to bulk up a little bit more and and put himself in there. But he, he's good on the floor. He's good, good at bringing the ball out of defence. Decent defender as well. So yeah, a lot, lot of improvement still to be made though from from Joel Matip in my opinion as well. So yeah, we'll go with six out of ten for for Matip. Next one up, a bit controversial this season. Emre Chan to sign a new deal. So far, looks like he's still not going to sign one when it comes to the summer. Been a few quotes in the press while he's been away on international duty this week about him possibly going to a, a very big club as as he to, as he likes to put it, which has sort of irked a lot of Liverpool fans on social media and comments in the Echo this week. Uh, he's made a total of 37 appearances. He's managed to get six goals. No assists, though. Um, but another interesting staff for uh, Emre Chan is nine yellow cards, by far and away the most yellow cards, double the amount of anyone close to him. So give us your season so far, Review, um, don't hold back either, Jay, on Emre Chan. Well, you, you got it's interesting you're saying there, he's had the most bookings and nine bookings, and that'll probably be because he's, you know, basically he's slower than my granddad, and that's the problem with Emre Chan. I just think he's too slow in this team. But to be fair to him, he, I think he's had quite a good season. Now, I do think he's a good player, and you know, all joking aside, saying he's slow, that that is one of his worst attributes. The rest of his game, he's actually quite good, to be fair to him. And it is a shame that he, he's decided that like, he's going to move on to pastures new. bit distasteful to say, moving to a very big club. I mean, he's at a very big club now and he's not 100% regular, is he, in the team? And, you know, like I say, he has chipped in with a few goals this season, though. And he's arguably been... I had this debate on Twitter the other day with a few people. He's arguably been our most consistent centre midfield player, really, because... You know, I do think he's, he has done well this season and he's chipped in with goals. And, you know, like I say, he, he has done well. And, you know, it's a shame that Liverpool have had him for four seasons. 
decisions and all of a sudden, you know, he's going to go for nothing because he probably is a £40 million midfield player, isn't he? And it's a shame, really, that he's moving on. But I do think he's a good player. I do. I think the downside to him is, as I've just touched on there, he's quite slow. But other than that, he's got some very good attributes and I do think he's had quite a good season. And on that basis, I give him a 7 out of 10. Seven out of ten for for Emre. Yeah, I know a few of the lads who I've been speaking to this week, especially after the the interview. Um, I know one of them, you know him as well, Chris. I still give him a mention on the podcast. He's been absolutely livid over the um, over the comments made by Chan, and he's just basically he's torn him apart, especially over him not seeing seeing out his well, basically seeing out his contract, not signing a new one. He wants him basically bombed out the team. Um, What's your, what's your thoughts on that, Jay? Should he play for Liverpool again after after he after these comments? Are they taken out of context? What's what's your view? Well, the thing is, we've known for quite a while that it looks highly unlikely that he's going to sign a new deal. And I also had this conversation the other day on Twitter as well. The, the good thing about Jurgen Klopp, players who, whose futures are in limbo at the club, he still gets them to perform to a good level. I mean, look, you only have to look at Coutinho for proof of that. I mean, he what his head was in the new camp, and look at how good he was for us. You know, the early part of the season, he performed really well. He scored plenty of goals, plenty of assists. He's one of our star men. So, from that point of view, I mean, Emre Chan has probably been, as I said before, arguably been our best central midfield player this season. So, I wouldn't really worry. It doesn't concern me too much. I don't think you can doubt his commitments to the cause when he's on the pitch he has performed really well and I know I've said before about the Buckens there well it doesn't surprise me because he's slower than my granddad but you know, at the end of the day I think it's because he is quite committed to the cause and he does get stuck in and he does put his foot in as well so you know I've got no issues with him playing it you know, Jürgen Klopp's the manager if he chooses and he sees fit to select him in the starting team I don't think he's going to let us down because he has performed quite well this season. So, I mean, I can see people's points of view. I can see the reasons why people say he should never wear the shirt again. I get that, and they're not wrong. But at the end of the day, he's a professional, and I don't think people can can really question that side of things because he has performed to a decent level this season. And Jürgen Klopp just wouldn't stand for something like that. If, if he knew he wasn't putting 100% in, then he wouldn't select him. And the facts are, he's selecting them because he knows that he will give 100%. So, you know, I've got no issues with him playing between now and May. And looking forward to next season, another debate that the lads was having was, do you think Cham will be missed next season or do you think he's easily be easily replaceable? Well, look, we've got we've got Keita coming, haven't we? Um, we're obviously in the market for another player, maybe Wilfred and Didi at Leicester or Jorginho, who's at Napoli. So, you know, I don't think he will be missed too much. He's certainly replaceable because, like I say, this Liverpool team needs to, to move it on a notch next season if you want to genuinely compete because, you know, Chan's a good player, there's no doubt about it, but I do think he slows the tempo down a little bit and he is quite slow, so he's a bit leggy in the middle of the park at times. So, on that basis, we're getting catered on board. If we can get in Diddy... You know, straight away, it improves the midfield area because, you know, let's not forget, we're still going to have Wijnaldum, we're still going to have Milner, we're still going to have Henderson, and obviously Oxlade-Chamberlain plays in there as well at times. So, you know, I've got no issues at all with, with him going because, you know, it is a shame. I'd rather he stay, but the facts are, if he's moving on, he, he is replaceable. And, and the names that we're being linked with, you know, I haven't got any issues. You know, we, we'll move on from MHR. There's no problem with that. 
Great stuff. Cheers, Jay. Right, next one um, on the list. It's Mohamed Salah. 41 appearances. What more can we say about this guy? 36 goals in total. Nine assists. Been an absolute bargain by, hasn't he, from from AS Roma. There's not m- much more we can say about him. The, the superlatives have been out there about he's been, he hasn't been off my our television screen since his four goals um, against against Watford at the weekend. Also a lot of talk now of clubs, uh, uh, people in the media trying to cause a little bit of unrest within the likes of Ray Wilkins, Ian Wright saying things like, oh yeah, carries on like this, Real Madrid's going to come knocking. Can't see it myself personally, he's only just joined the club, he's settled, he wants to play his football at Liverpool as far as I'm concerned. Um, so yeah, 41 appearances, Jay, 36 goals. Give us your views on um, Mohamed Salah. Sensational. I mean, it's just been quite remarkable, really. I mean, t- t- we'd be paid, what, just shy of £40 million for him. And, you know, he had, he had good stats at Roma. You know, there was no doubt about it. He, he got a few assists and, you know, scored goals as well. But nothing to these levels that he's getting now at Liverpool this season. He's been truly remarkable. And, you know, I, I don't think he's gone more than two games without scoring, scoring a goal for us. And, you know, he's virtually got a one-in-one ratio it's just spot on. It's it. Yeah, is is on this on the stats in front of me now. Time per goal, uh, minutes per goal is ninety. So spot on. It's like a goal per game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, just absolutely remarkable. Really, no one really seen this coming. I mean, I always thought there was a player in there, and and like I said before, you know, early early on in the season when he probably played about ten games for us, I did say to one of my mates, you know, he's very very like messy but a poor man's messy and to be perfectly honest with you now he's starting to produce messy type performances in terms of scoring four goals in a game scoring messy type goals the one against Tottenham unbelievable the one of the goals against Watford unbelievable you know I think one of my favourite goals that he scored this season was away to Stoke where he volleyed in the top corner unbelievable goals I mean he's just been a phenomenon there's no two ways about it but what we've also so got to remember is this is only really one season doing it. As I said before, Messi's done it for a decade or more. So this it's massive for him next season, really, in terms of can he do it? Can he do his second season syndrome? Can he repeat this first season, what he's just he's just doing for us now? It's unbelievable. But can he do it again for another season? And all this talk of Real Madrid and Barcelona and all of the, the you know, obviously the, the clubs that he said the likes of the, the South Americans want to join. Well, maybe Salah won't want to go there. You just never know. I mean, he seems a humble type of person. He seems happy on the football pitch at Liverpool. He seems happy around the club. He seems like a genuinely nice fella, doesn't he? So maybe he, he, he will want to stay. You know, there's no guarantees. But, but let's be brutally honest about it. He has got to back it up for the second season because these clubs are not going to want to come in straight away and offer 150, 200 million for him when he's done it in one season. He's got to do it more than just one season. So let's stay grounded about this because let's make no mistake about it. Liverpool will not be selling them this summer. It just won't happen because the thing with FSG, they've come in for a little bit of criticism in terms of since they took over the football club. We have sold our star players. It started with Torres. Obviously, Suarez left. Sterling wasn't a star, but he was mass- He was a gem, wasn't he? 
that we ended up getting 50 million off Man City for. And then obviously Coutinho's ended up going to Barcelona. So they're getting a little bit of a bad reputation for selling our star players. And there's not a chance in hell that Salah would be sold this summer. But that's not to say in, in the season's time he wouldn't be sold. And this is what I'm saying. If he backs it up again with another great season, that's when the vultures will circle your Real Madrid, your Barcelona's. But it would have to be an incredible amount of money for the Liverpool to consider it because we've just got 140 for Coutinho. The way inflation in football is now, you're talking more than Coutinho already for Salah after one season. So what would it be after two? Now, let's be honest, hopefully it won't come to that and hopefully he does stay for to Liverpool. You know, he stays in Liverpool share for you know five, six more years. But it is a bit of a concern for me that Liverpool need to start winning trophies because you can pay someone 200, 250 grand a week in wages and you can make them your main man at your football club and give them all bonuses galore. But if you're not winning trophies, you're not winning silverware, they're not picking up medals at the end of each season, then it's very difficult to keep these players. As we've seen, and it hurts to to say it, but as we've seen already, you know, Torres left Liverpool and then it killed me when he left Liverpool to go to Chelsea because we had a modern-day rally with them at the time. We'd just been in... A, we'd had quite a lot of big Champions League matches with them and, you know, obviously the fans are, are scumbags, really. But what I'm saying is when Torres left Liverpool for another English club and went to Chelsea, that was a dagger to my heart, that, because people might say 50 million was a lot of money at the time and he was a little bit washed up and, like, he didn't go on to basically Liverpool had his best years of, in terms of performance levels on the pitch but the facts are he went to Chelsea and won every trophy under the sun apart from the league title so from that aspect he once he, he went moved on to pastures new and won things the same with Suarez his first season when he went to Barcelona he won a treble he won the European Cup then when we move on to Sterling Sterling's went on to win trophies at Manchester City he's going to win the league title isn't he this season so it's infuriating Coutinho's going to win La Liga isn't he with Barcelona do you know what I mean this season and obviously he might win the the, um, the Copa del Rey as well so you know when you when you analyse it it's very difficult to keep hold of your star players because what have Liverpool won in that time we've won one league cup and it's frustrating because this is what why you, you struggle to keep hold of your better players because we're not actually winning silverware and that's why I said at the start of the season it's vitally important to maintain a top four finish. We also need to win a trophy. And, you know, it's going to be difficult because, you know, we've got to win the Champions League this year. It's the only trophy we can win now. And who have we got in, in the quarterfinals? Manchester City, who have basically won the league already. have the league wrapped up in March. So this is, this is why it's difficult, mate, because you're looking at it thinking, yeah, hopefully Salah will stay for many years to come, but we need to start winning trophies to make that a reality because if we don't win a trophy this season and we don't win a trophy next season, who knows if Real Madrid offer 150, 200 million for him, he might be out the door next. And it's sad, isn't it? But we've got to start winning things. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Jane. The last player that we're going to do now on our, our season so far ratings is Roberto Firmino. He's got the most uh, appearances, 42 in total, 23 goals, 10 assists, um, picked up a couple of yellow cards along the way, 143 minutes per goal. So he's not that far behind Mohamed Salah, really, when people were talking him as him, he's not uh, an out-and-out goal scorer. Starting to prove people a little bit wrong in, in that aspect, isn't he? So, thoughts on Roberto Firmino, please, Jay? Well, it didn't give me, me score 
Not for Salah. I didn't end it with my score, but I, 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 I think it goes without saying he's going to be a 10 out of 10 because, you know, when you perform to the levels of Lionel Messi, you're a 10 out of 10. So he's been a phenomenal signing for the money. I mean, it doesn't, it's irrelevant, the money anyway, but what he's given to this team has been unbelievable and he's definitely a 10 out of 10. Moving on now to Roberto Firmino. Now, I was a bit critical of Firmino last season and at the start of this season because for me, playing the number nine role for Liverpool, I didn't think he'd scored enough goals and he didn't last season. And I, I couldn't really envisage him doing it this season either, to be honest with you. At stake on board, he works really hard for the team and he does the role of two, two men, really. But this season, he has been absolutely sensational as well. And, and honestly, I take my hat off to him. I didn't think he had it in him. I didn't think he'd score the amount of goals that he did. I, I, you know, the jury was out for me in, in terms of, is he good enough to play as the number nine for Liverpool up front? And, and to be honest, he's completely and utterly proven me wrong. He, he is truly outstanding. He is the glue that makes everything stick at the top of this Liverpool team. He's, he's, he's fantastic. He's sort of like... This is what concerns me in these games now with Man City. Liverpool have got three games in six days and the intensity levels that's going to be required in all three games, in particular the two games against Man City and the quarterfinals of the Champions League. He is the main man for me because he is the one with the work ethic that starts everything from the top. And I just don't think he's going to be able to do it for three games. So I think he'll end up sitting out the derby game because he's so important to Liverpool in these two Champions League games. We're going to need him because no one can replicate what he gives to the team. He's just unbelievable. His work ethic is second to none. And Bobby Dazzler, he's been a fantastic player for Liverpool this season, and he's very close to getting a ten as well. To be honest with you, but what I'll do is I'm going to be I'm going to be a bit harsh on him here. I'm going to mark him down because he's not the best penalty taker in the world, is he? He's cost us a few times with penalties, so on that basis, I give him a nine out of ten. Nine out of ten for Roberto Firmino, and the last one we're going to do is the manager, Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, he's had a lot to deal with this season with the Champions League games and, and the league fixtures. Went out to the Cups a, a little bit early for probably a lot of the fans liking mine and yours included. So, give us your, your overall rating for Jurgen Klopp this season, Jay. It's very difficult to not like Jurgen Klopp, is it? Because, you know, he's a charismatic guy, isn't he? And, you know, he's, the way he's, his vision of the game of football, how he wants the team to play and how his ideas, his philosophy, his ideas on everything, his plans, you know, it, it is fantastic. You know, we're going to the matches and we're being entertained week in, week out at Anfield. I know from home, you know, we score loads of goals away from home as well and there's no fear going to any ground, wherever it may be. Liverpool, you go there and you believe you can win. I mean, I was disappointed we went to Old Trafford and lost the game. But, you know, like I say, you were going into the game confident, thinking we were going to win a game. And, you know, it's very rare you go to Old Trafford with that thought in your mind, like, oh, we'll be these today. And that's what we all truly believe, because, you know, we, we are capable of going anywhere and scoring goals and beating anybody. And, you know, that's, because, that's down to the manager, the way he's got the team playing. And, you know, I think he's tried to mix it up a little bit this season. He's tried to change a few things, hasn't he? And, you know, last season he got caught with pants down really when it got to you know, the festive periods and then into January when we had a few injuries and the players looked a bit he looked burnt out didn't he and Mane went to the African Nations and you know, the form plummeted didn't it and we ended up struggling really and towards the end of the season it was touching over top four and 
we eventually got there, thankfully. But you know, it shouldn't came down to that. Liverpool fly in the first part of the season, and this time around, he learned from mistakes, really, didn't he? And he started rotating a little bit, and it did infuriate us a little bit. The Derby game, in particular, where you know we he made four or five changes for that game and played back up front, and it was one of the first times he used Oxley Chamberlain in the middle of the park, and you know we left the Brazilians on the bench, didn't he? And you know it was we were furious, really, and. You know, we ended up dropping points. So when you do that and you make that many changes, you leave yourself open to criticism, don't you? And I know hindsight in the game, if you analyse it, Liverpool were well a better team. Still should have won with a weakened side. And, you know, of course, what happens? Lovren makes a mistake, gives them a penalty and equalise and, and basically stole a draw against us. And, and everyone was infuriated by it. And then, of course, Klopp comes in for a bit of criticism then, doesn't he? Because the very next game against West Brom at home, he plays a stronger team and we still drop points because we do nil-nil. So he sort of like made a few mistakes, but I can see what he was trying to do because the games come to fast over the festive period and then the FA Cup kicks in doesn't it, in January. And, you know, it, it sort of like worked, didn't it, to an extent, barring the FA Cup game against West Brom, which was so frustrating to go out to them because as, the tables, as you can see in the league table now, they're already pretty much relegated. And this season, they've been to Anfield, got a nil-nil draw, and he beat us 3-2 in the FA Cup. Just so frustrating, really. And this is the annoying thing, though, with Klopp. I mean, we need to start winning trophies. And his first season, he, he got us to two cup finals, and it was great. You know, everyone thought, imagine what he can do when he gets his own group of players, because he's done that with Rodgers' squad. He got us to two finals. I know we lost them, but we got to two finals. So you take it on the chin, you know what? We're going to have good times with this fella. And it just hasn't really fully materialised, has it? Yes, every week we're getting entertained, fantastic football home and away, but we do need to start winning things. And I know that there's massive signs there that progress is being made and consistently being in the Champions League is going to help us. He's already assembling a fantastic group of players. The squad's coming on leaps and bounds. We've got a great centre-half now in Van Zijk. got a very good left-back in Robertson. We're getting Cater, who looks a special player. You know, things are looking up. The forward three, fantastic as well. So, you know, like I say, he's assembling a very good group of players, a very good squad, but we need to start winning things. And, you know, like I say, you can't really say if we don't beat Manchester City, it's a failure because, you know, Manchester City, the best team in our league and they're one of the favourites for the Champions League. And if they do beat us, it wouldn't surprise you if they went on to win the European Cup. It really wouldn't. So, you know, on that basis, we've got a really tough tie in the next round. There's no choice about it. City are the top, top team. But we've already proved this season we can beat them. And let's be honest, that 4-3 game in January, the scoreline flattered them. Liverpool were 4-1 up with fans to go. Cruise control, and then all of a sudden, he scored two late goals and the scoreline flattered them. Um, but that said, they did have a couple of players missing. You know, Company never played in that game. He never, they also never had uh, David Silver in that game. And they'll be back available for the, the, the Champions League games. But Liverpool never had Virgil van Dijk in that game. So, you know, like I say, it's it's going to be very interesting, the two ties. But this is it now. You know, Klopp needs to start winning trophies. On this season, you'd have to say, because if we don't win a trophy, if Liverpool won the Champions League, then Klopp would be getting a 10 out of 10. But up to this point, because of the way the, the situation is in terms of it, we are disappointed that we went out early in both terms of the competitions. We've done really well in the league. We're, we're in the top four as it stands, but it's not a foregone conclusion that we're going to finish in the top four. There's still a job to do. And we've done very well in the Champions League and we've got to the stage now where we are the quarters. This moment in time, I'd call them an eight out of ten. I mean, obviously it's close to being a nine, but I'd still say there's a few issues in the team that need iron and out. Midfield area is not the strongest. 
And in terms of, you know, defensively, we do look a little bit rough. Jory's still out a little bit on Caris as well in goal. But I would give him an 8 out of 10, borderline 9. But, you know, like I say, if we done this again at the end of the season, we won the Champions League, 100% he'd be getting a 10 out of 10. Yeah, and just staying... Um, yeah, so 10... Uh, sorry, 8 out of 10, did you say for, for Jürgen Klopp then, Jay? Yeah, I give him an 8 out of 10, borderline 9. give him an 8 out of 10. Yeah, Nice one. Okay, and just staying on the on the track there of of the Manchester City in the Champions League uh, quarter final stage. Now, obviously, we've got two first first games at home. There's been a lot of talk, hasn't there, of, of a a coach welcoming and all the City fans are going mad about what could happen with the flares and and all things like that. But it's, Liverpool fans are notorious for it. We've done it over the years, welcoming teams, the team bus with with the atmosphere and things like that. It's never been a problem, so can't be. Really, I think they're just a little bit frightened in, in that in, in that sense. But over the two legs, Jay, how do you see things working out? Do we need to take a, a healthy lead going going to the Etihad? What's what's your thoughts? And do we obviously then need to score? at their place as well how do you see this um, going tactically for Liverpool well I mean I'd just like to, to talk about the, the coach welcoming first though because I mean Liverpool have done it quite a few times in the past and it doesn't always work in our favour to tell you the truth I mean when we were going for the title a few years ago we'd done it in a couple of games and we'd done it against Chelsea as well and we ended up losing that game and that was ultimately the game that cost us the title and then, I mean, we've done it a couple of times in the Europa League, didn't we, when um, we got to the final? And, and, you know, that did work in our favour because it, it got us through, didn't it? Um, and then, you know, there's all the talk now of doing it for this game against Man City. And, of course, you know, it, it, it is great. You know, it does look brilliant. You know, all the videos going around with all the pyro going off and what have you. But let's be perfectly honest, the most important thing on that night when we play City in a few weeks' time, the atmosphere inside the ground is the mo- is where it matters most. To me, that is vitally important. It happens inside the ground. Now, we beat Man City in January and we didn't need a coach looking on that, that day when we beat them on that Sunday. It happened inside the ground. And it was a hostile, intimidating atmosphere. The performance level on the pitch helped as well. But the fans were very hostile and very intimidating in that game. And Man City's players didn't like it. The players, we were all over them like a rash. We unsettled them. It wasn't just the players, it was the fans as well. And we've got to replicate that that atmosphere. And I'm sure we will do. It's a night game. I know that was a four o'clock or half four kickoff when we played them in January time. This is an evening kickoff. This is where Liverpool fans have to do it. The atmosphere is going to be electric. There's no two ways about it. And it has to happen inside the ground. By all means, do the coach welcome them. No, that's fine. But it has to happen inside the ground as well. And more importantly, inside the ground, that's where it matters most, in my opinion. Now, getting onto the game, it's it's very difficult to say. Let's not get away from it. I mean, when the draw was made, my heart sunk a little bit. And now that's not me being a defeatist thinking... You know, we're going to lose the tie and we're not capable of getting through against them. But I was getting text messages and WhatsApp messages, people saying, we'll do them and everyone being brave and bravado. Let's get into the real world. This is a really, really tough tie. It's a tough tie for City as well, don't get me wrong. We've already proved this season we can beat them at Anfield. But these are a top quality side. And, you know, the reason why I think it's going to be tough for us over two legs is the intensity levels in both games of football in such a short space of time. 
it's it's two games in six days against them, and in between we've got a derby game. But forget the derby game because it's a certainty. Klopp will make a lot of changes for that game. The two games in City, the intensity levels, the effort that you'd have to put in to play against them because they're so good with the ball. I mean, even in that game when we beat them at Anfield four three, he still had sixty. I think it was sixty two percent possession. You know, it's Liverpool are going to have to work really hard in both games. And, and of course, we're going to need to take an advantage. We're going to have to take a lead to the Etihad. But we are more than capable of going the Etihad and scoring a goal. So from that aspect of it, I mean, ideally, we don't want City to score at Anfield. If we can avoid, if we can keep a clean sheet at Anfield, then, you know, fantastic. Because I'd back Liverpool to go to the Etihad and score. It's as simple as that. People might say, well, we lost 5-0 earlier on in the season. But that game is handicapped, really, because we had a man sent off in the first half. If you remember the game, Liverpool, it was end to end. Liverpool had arguably had the better chances up to that point. I know City were 1 0 up already. Liverpool had had quite a few chances at that point, as it was. So we were. Yeah, well, we were still well, well in the game. Well, yeah, we were well and truly in the game. There's no two ways about it. And then obviously, when Mane gets sent off, the game changes then. They're probably the worst team in football that you want to go down 10 men against because you know the quality that they've got in their side with David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne and you know, Sergio Aguero and then you can stretch the play with Sané on one wing and Sterling on the other wing the pace and power that they've got in that side it's phenomenal that extra little bit of space on the pitch with those being down to 10 men it's just basically playing into their hands isn't it exactly and what happens you know I criticised them for capitulating because, you know, if you would have lost 3-0 against them with 10 men, fine. But to lose 4 and 5, it, it got a little bit embarrassing, really, didn't it? And we did capitulate. And I thought it was a lack of professionalism, to be perfectly honest. But the facts are, we were down to 10 men against a top-quality team. And we got a hard... We got, we got you know, we basically got, got murdered. We got B5-0. And it is what it is. You moved on from it. Now, as I say, we had a point to prove when we played them at Anfield in January, I thought. And we did prove a point. We proved that we could beat them. If someone wants to come to Anfield and go toe-to-toe at Liverpool, we have proved if you go toe-to-toe with us, you'll get beat. Now, that could certainly happen when we played them in two weeks' time. It certainly could. But to the same token, these are the type of team that could certainly come to Anfield and beat us as well. Make no mistake about it, they are more than capable of, of giving us a hard at Anfield as well, in my opinion, because they are that good. They are a very, very good side. And people will point to, oh, they lost 1-0 to Wigan in the FA Cup. He made about six or seven changes. I know they've got strength in depth. I know they've got a massive squad, the biggest squad in the Premier League. But the facts are, they still made a lot of changes. So you're going to see probably five or six different players who played in that Wigan game to what will turn up at Anfield, if you like, when we play them in two weeks' time. So I wouldn't read too much into that, but it does show you that they can be beaten because we're not the only team that's beaten them this season. They lost twice in the Champions League already to Basel, which was a dead draw, but anyway, they were already through, and to Shakhtar Donetsk when they were already through the group stages. But they can be beaten, and that's the point. So, you know, like I say, this Liverpool team is fearless. Going to any game against anybody, wherever it be, be at Anfield or away from home. And we truly believe we can win. But it is going to be tough. It is going to be very tough. Because, like I say, the intensity levels of both games, we're going to have to put so much into these two games that it's going to be really difficult. And, you know, like I say, it's not ideal, the structure of the, of, of the tie either, because you'd much rather be at Anfield, wouldn't you, for the second leg? You know, the, the crowd behind us. 
But it is what it is. We've been dealt a, a tough, tough hand, really, haven't we? In the draw, we, we, you know, how much would have preferred to play a foreign team, whether it be Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich? I really would, because I just think Barcelona and Real Madrid are aging teams, really. And we've seen what Chelsea how they performed against Barcelona. They had numerous chances in the new camp, as well as Stamford Bridge. And you know, Chelsea are not as good as Liverpool going forwards. And if, if Barcelona would have afforded the Liverpool the opportunities that they, they afforded Chelsea, then you could see Liverpool putting three or four past them. I mean, of course, they've got Lionel Messi, and of course, they've got Luis Suarez and Dembele, and they've got great players. I'm not disputing that. Same with Real Madrid, you know, like the likes of Ronaldo and Bale, and you know the the kids Asensio and you know Vasquez and all them. They've got very good players and Tony Cruz in the middle of the park. Of course, they've got great players, but I certainly think Liverpool could get at them type of teams. Whereas with Man City, it's going to be really tough. I think. I mean, one key factor for me, we put four past them at Anfield, and as I say, Liverpool are capable of beating them. There's no two ways about it. They never had Vincent Company that day. And for me, he's massive to their back line because, yeah, he's injury prone, but when he plays, he is solid as they come in terms of centre-half. So for me, it's going to be really difficult. It, it's, I don't want to come across negative and, and come across like, you know, as though we're going to lose the tie and we're going to be out the Champions League. But I just don't want to get too carried away. And people who are showing bravado and being you know, confident and thinking that, you know, we're going to beat them, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I just think it's, let's not get too carried away. This is a very, very good side that's coming to Anfield. And yeah, people might say they've never won the European Cup. We've won it five times. Well, yeah, we have won it five times, but none of this group of players that we've got now have, have won many trophies at all, let alone the European Cup. And, you know, the only thing I will say is Klopp has done very well against Pep Guardiola sides. And in fact, I think he's beaten them more times than Guardiola's beaten Klopp. So, on the line of that, then we've got the right manager to try and get us through this tie, but it's going to be very, very difficult. Spot on. Excellent, Jay. Yeah, and that's where we're going to uh, wrap up our season so far. Review, we'll talk a little bit about Watford and Manchester City. Just going to play um, a track to see how the podcast from a band in the, the Colchester area that's been in touch with us this week. These guys are called The Colony. And the song that I'm going to play for you tonight is called For Ever and Ever.
song was called Forever and Ever from The Colony. Thanks very, very much for them lads for getting in touch. Yeah, obviously we haven't touched much on the, the Merseyside derby because we will do a, a derby preview podcast. We'll try and get Tony on back with us again, Tony Scott. So um, thanks very much for your time, Jay. Yeah, no problem. I mean, as I say, breaks it up a little bit with this board and international break on it and then uh, the games come thick and fast, don't they? So... You know, let's hope we can get a victory against Crystal Palace our next next game in the league. Excellent, yeah, and I'm sure the the listeners will be happy to have some something else to listen to during the during the international break. We'll probably get um, quite a few more more people interested as well because there's some really good stuff in there for for people to to listen to. So that's a. A season so far review by by the Cop Table with a little bit of a preview of the Man City game. We'll be back with our Crystal Palace preview towards the end of next week. So thanks everybody for listening and uh, we will speak to you all soon. Goodbye. I heard a cop I call